This is episode 52 of The Popcast. Welcome to The Popcast, a weekly podcast all about pop culture in three regular segments. We're your hosts, Josh and Maureen Goldman. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. Look at me singing a copyrighted song to kick things off this week. So good. How are you doing, Maureen? Doing great. How are you, honey? I'm doing well. We've officially reached the summer solstice. We are officially into summer, although it feels like summer kicks off like Memorial Day weekend. It's the best. This is like my favorite time of the year when it's, it's super a little light hot. out. It's a little hot. I like it. I like that it stays light, but it is pretty hot. But we are officially into summer. Maureen, I saw Toy Story 4 by myself last week yeah. on opening day. Josh asked me if he could see it without me. And I said, yeah, because I'll want to watch it, but I don't need to see it in the theaters. Well, I want to give my non-spoiler review. So last week on the Popcast, in our premiere topic, we talked about the original Toy Story. And then I went to see Toy Story 4 in theaters. I was not the only adult there. And I certainly was not the only adult by themselves. Okay, so that's what, that was going to be my next question. I feel a little better. <laughs> now, there were a lot of kids as well with their families. But, you know, the movie is good. It's good, but not great, though. I will say that the animation style, especially having just watched the original Toy Story, is incredible. It's hard to overstate how amazing the animation is. Things look real. So there, there is a cat at one point in the movie. The cat looks real. And compare that to the dog in the first Toy Story, which looks very plasticky. And the, the difference is night and day. So the best part, hands down, about the movie is the animation style. So for that reason alone, it was cool to see it on a really big screen. That being said, I don't know if I really needed to see it in this Dolby sound theater, which I, is what I saw it in. It just happened to be the time that I was able to go see it. I mean, it's not one of those movies that requires a, an amazing sound system. The movie itself is good. The plot is fine. It did feel a little bit like a cash grab because Toy Story 3 pretty pretty nicely wrapped up the Toy Story arc, and then they came back with this fourth installment. I won't provide any spoilers here as much as you can spoil an animated film, but I definitely think it's worth seeing. If you're on the fence about seeing it in theaters, my review would be wait till it comes out because you'll be happier spending less money. Honey, what's the line you've been saying around the house? So the new character in this in this movie is a character named Forky, and he is a toy that is created by Bonnie, who now has all of the original toys. Andy gave Bonnie his toys at the end of Toy Story 3. So Bonnie goes to kindergarten. She makes a toy out of a spork, and she names him Forky. Forky has a little bit of an existential crisis because he was made from pieces of trash, and he doesn't feel like he's a toy. So Woody, you know, the main character of all of these movies, tries to convince Forky that he is a toy and that he's worth something. And Forky just keeps throwing himself in the trash can and he walks around everywhere saying, I'm trash, I'm trash. <laughs> so Josh like comes into bed and he's like, I'm trash. <laughs> Forky is voiced very well by Tony Hale, who was in Arrested Development and also in Veep. He does a really nice job. And I will say the other two standout characters are Bunny and Ducky, who are voiced by Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. They're really fun additions. They're at sort of like one of those fairs. They're hung up on the pegboard, animals you can win, and they're really, really fun in the movie. So if you're on the fence about seeing it in theaters, I might wait. If you have kids, definitely take them. They'll, they'll like this. It's There are some creepy parts. The villain uh, has some henchmen that are, that are ventriloquist dolls, and they are creepy. 
but I would say no creepier than Toy Story 1. So if they're able to get through that, they should be fine in Toy Story 4. And quick note while we're talking about this on toys. So I want to give a shout out to my friend Charlotte, who's one of my dearest friends. We've been besties since high school. And we recently went to her son's birthday party at a bowling alley. And Josh and Caleb and I were there. And Caleb, our son, won this tiny plastic toy frog. We've named him Fred, Strawberry Frog. And Fred, like, fits in the palm of Caleb's hand. Like, little rubber toy. Like, squeaky toy. Yeah, one you might take into the bath. He has, like, a little thing you could squirt water out of his mouth. Caleb sleeps with Fred. Fred now has his own bed. I mean, like, Caleb has all these, like, fancy toys. And Fred went to daycare with him today, went to the pool with him, made cookies with him, like sat on his dinner plate with, with us. dinner. He watches TV he when Caleb watches teeth. his TV show. It's the cutest thing in the world. But it's like one of those things where Forky thought he was trash, but he was just this beloved little toy. And what would we do without Fred Strawberry Frog in our lives? So thank you to Charlotte for inviting us to that cool bowling birthday party. I will say we need a backup and a backup of a backup of Fred Strawberry Frog. So I'm his eyes are starting to peel off. I'm like gonna, his little the paint on his I'm, eyes. I'm going to go back to the bowling alley and we're gonna get another Fred Strawberry Why Frog. Why don't you guys just go bowling? I think we will. We're gonna try to get another one so that if if Fred Strawberry Frog happens to get misplaced, yeah. we will have him. Okay, we just have two items in our snack bag this week, and then we'll move on to our premier topic. First item, a couple weeks ago, Maureen and I determined our Song of the Summer, the one we thought might take the crown. We chose Sucker by the Jonas Brothers, but our runner-up was... Mostly because I was pretty into it. push for it. But our runner-up was a song called Old Town Road. We talked a little bit about that song. And shout out to my mother-in-law, who said she would have picked this song. She would have picked it. I read this article today that Old Town Road, it, it clearly seems like it's winning the official... You know, when we go back around Labor Day to look at the numbers, I think that it will bear out that Old Town Road has won the Song of the Summer just based on its popularity, but it is currently sitting at 12 straight weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Maureen, what are your reactions to this? Can I, The article was basically, can anything dethrone this song? I mean, I guess I underestimated how popular it was. That's pretty impressive. And I did say when we did our episode that I wanted numbers, and those numbers are pretty staggering. The numbers don't lie so far. We will, of course, do a recap around Labor Day so that you can see the numbers all head to head to head and see exactly what is number one. But it certainly seems like Old Town Road featuring Billy Ray Cyrus is just cruising along at number one. And they, they listed some other songs that that are just coming out. There's one by Taylor Swift and another one by Shawn Mendes. They're not sure if any of these things can dethrone Old Town Road. And, and what the article said that I thought was really interesting was that Old Town Road has gotten older but it hasn't lost sort of the appeal so people it's not it's not the new thing anymore but people still like to listen to it and i will say anytime i hear it whether i'm out in the car or whether it just shows up on my spotify shuffle i i listen to it it's a catchy song so i'm not surprised that this is the case our second snack bag topic this week i saw this article on variety that the office the popular nbc show that aired many, many years ago at this point, has been on Netflix for a long time as one of their most popular offerings. At the end of 2020, The Office will be leaving Netflix forever and okay, starting- Forever, They for now. No, probably forever. So it's going to go to its own streaming service. NBC is starting their own streaming service, and I think that is baloney. So NBC Universal will start a streaming service for all of their content, and The Office, which is one of Netflix's most popular shows, is going to leave the service. 
And I think that what this brought up for me, there are just too many streaming services, I think, exactly to your point. Also, one of my, I mean, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, that in my dream world, we cancel cable, we cancel everything, and we have, like, one streaming service. Like, you just pick Netflix or Hulu and call it a day. We're far from that right now. So anyway, all this to be said is, I just can't with like, okay, we have an Amazon Prime login and we have a Netflix login and a Hulu login and a, and a cable login and an NBC streaming login and a, you know, Warner Brothers login because that they own Friends now. And don't forget about Apple. Is Apple starting to produce their own content? Oh, yeah. Remember we talked about this? Ugh, and I you were shut like, it out I, of my mind. And you're like, I am not. I will not. We're going to get into this a little bit with our premiere topic tonight, but I think there's too much content. It's almost prohibitively overwhelming to me. So we'll get into that in a, in a minute. But I think it's a bummer. And I would be all about, well, I say this, I was about to say I would be all about a monopoly and just having everything on Netflix, but then they just jack up the prices and I'd be too cheap to pay for it. So I guess I don't want that either. But I feel like we should stick with Netflix, Hulu and Prime. Yeah, I think the thing about all of these streaming services, I think you're exactly right. It, it becomes overwhelming with the amount of content. And I think the real problem is, is that the shows that people tend to like are scattered across all of these different platforms. So you might like one show on Amazon, but then you like one show on Netflix. And you have to then decide if you can't afford to have both what you're going to do. My point is you could always make choices if that was a real priority to you where, you know, you said, I'm never going out to eat. I'd rather have this many streaming services or, or whatever. Certainly for some people, it would be a prohibitive cost. But it's just too much. There's like a super saturation. And I think there's a difference between all of this new content that's coming up and then these like powerhouse familiar shows like Friends and the office, which you just kind of want to have on in the background for 20 minutes with no commercials because you've seen it 12,000 times and you want it on while you're cooking dinner. So that's where, you know, this article was talking about, like, is Netflix going to be at a disadvantage because they don't have any of those, like, real, like, 10 seasons long cult hits, at least not yet. So I don't know. It's interesting. One of the things that I've heard is successful for some families that we could certainly try is that you have a subscription for a little while and then you cancel that and you get a different subscription. So you're only Mm, paying for one at a time. But because most of the shows that people release are binge watchable, you know, you could get Netflix for three months out of the year and watch the shows that you want to watch. And then you don't really need it for the other nine months because really what it becomes at that point is a way to waste time, Mm -hmm. you know? So some of the shows like The Office are great to have on in the background, but do you really need to have a show on in the background or could you just you know, think about something or read or, or listen to a podcast or yeah, (laughs) anything else. So I think that's a, that's an option that I know has worked well for some people and it allows you to have a variety of content. So you might not want to pay for HBO all the time, but if you're interested in a show or a couple shows, you can get it for three months out of the year and watch the shows that you want to watch. And then you get it the next year for three months and, and watch the new seasons or something like that. I will say that I did see a tweet that said, you know, in the future, there are going to be so many streaming services that people are paying for, you're going to have to start deciding, you know, whether to subscribe to all the streaming services or send your child to a good daycare. Because it's it really is becoming like the original idea was that you would cut cable, mm-hmm. which costs a lot of money, and you would get a streaming service, yeah. and it would save you money. But now there are so many offerings that it's just impossible to do that. Well, this is a great transition, as Maureen mentioned, to our premier topic this week. And 
way back in episode six, we talked about Netflix original shows. So we mentioned a couple that we liked. We talked about, you know, how many new ones there were at the time and how many new ones they were planning to do. Today, we want to shift that focus to talk a little bit about Netflix original movies, which is something that they've really been pushing over the past year or two. As of the recording of this podcast, Netflix has produced and released well over 350 original movies. We haven't seen them all, of course, and that's, well, because we have lives, we're parents, we both have jobs, and we're very busy. But we have seen a good number between the two of us, and we want to talk about some of the ones we liked and some of the ones we didn't like. But that's just part of the conversation. So we'll start there, and then I want to dive a little bit deeper into what Maureen was mentioning earlier, which is, is all of this content good? Is it bad? Is it somewhere in the middle? And and how does it really fall in our society? So the first thing I, I guess I want to talk about, Maureen, is can you give me some of your favorite original Netflix films that you've seen? I'll give a couple of mine, and then we'll talk about our least favorites, so ones you can avoid if you haven't seen these yet. And then we'll get into some of the more, some of the deeper content. I have seen probably most of the like super popular chick flick or rom-com Netflix original movies. Not surprising. I'm pretty much their target demographic. I love those types of films. So for me, I digest this content when it's like a Friday night and Josh and I are home on the couch or Josh is out hanging out with friends and I'm home alone. And I'm like, I just want to totally unplug and spend an hour and a half watching something that's going to like make me laugh and like warm my heart. Silly, like, you know, one step up from like a Hallmark movie, basically. And for me, it's easier to kind of go through Netflix recommended movies that are new rather than like scrolling through every movie available on HBO or whatever. And the Netflix ones are newer. So it's usually like, oh, I haven't seen, you know, all of these. I'm just going to watch it. So I will say, you want me to just share the good ones right now? Yeah, just share one or two or three of your, the ones that you might recommend to people. Okay, top three. I would say number one is Set It Up. We've mentioned this on the podcast before. This um, has Tay Diggs and Lucy Liu in it um, as two supporting roles and two up-and-coming young actors in the main roles. And basically, I loved it. This was in a Vulture article I found. This was like ranked number 15 out of all of the movies that Netflix has produced, which is pretty good for a rom-com. So I would say that's my number one favorite. Number two is probably a tie. So I really liked Always Be My Maybe, which is a new one out with Ali Wong. She's one of the writers, producers, and stars in it. And it's really funny. And I remember my brother and sister-in-law, Kevin and Kathy, like loved this one too. I think they liked it even better than Set It Up. So that one's definitely one to watch. It's like on par with like what you would see in the movie theaters or like what used to be like the classic rom-coms like Never Been Kissed or uh, She's All That or I don't know if those are classic rom-coms, but like when I was a teenager. And the third one I will say is To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was based on a book and then they made into a movie and it was also like really high quality rom-com. Loved it. So for me, those were three success stories. We'll talk a little bit about others that didn't work as well, but Josh, what were your favorite three movies that you've watched that were Netflix original? So when I think about some of the movies that I've really liked on Netflix that are Netflix originals, there are none that stand out that are that are ever going to crack like a top 10 of my favorite movies of all time. And that being said, there are some that I've enjoyed, probably none that I would choose to watch again. But I would actually say that Set It Up is probably in my top three for sure of the ones that I've seen. But other than that, you know, I don't know if I can say that I really loved anything else. I liked Roma. I thought it was really well done, but I didn't love it. 
I liked this movie called Okja, which was, you know, a movie that came out a year or two ago. But other than set it up, there there hasn't been a Netflix movie where, that I've watched that I said, yeah, that is an amazing movie. So I have a little bit of a hard time talking about favorite movies. I think that Netflix has had a much better track record of producing really high quality shows than it has movies. And I'm not really sure why that's the case. I don't know, though. I mean, like Roma won a lot of Oscars, including Best Director. So that one, I think, had a lot of critical acclaim that a lot of other production companies can't say. Netflix has certainly produced things that are of quality. I just feel like, and maybe it's because of the amount of movies that they produce, yeah, that it feels like their their wins their wins versus their losses are skewed in a way that feels much higher on the loss column, yeah, than it does on the win column. So before we jump into some of that more detailed talk, do you have any least favorite ones that you would suggest people avoid that you've that you've checked out? Yeah, my least favorite was something great, which. Josh and I thought I would really like because it stars Jane the Virgin star Gina Rodriguez. And she was great in it, but the story I I just really didn't like. It was just kind of super cheesy and about a breakup, and I didn't think it was super realistic. And I guess maybe it was. Maybe I just wasn't the target demographic for that one, but that one wasn't my favorite. Also, I'd say The Christmas Chronicles starring Kurt Russell was pretty bad but for like a cheesy christmas movie i mean that's the thing like it's like what is netflix's point in putting out these movies is it just to get a whole bunch of content so they have hundreds and hundreds of movies for people to choose from that's what it seems like it seems like they're just creating things and they're not screening for quality necessarily but that being said we watched the entirety of both of those movies so something to be said for that what about you do you have any that you really dislike yeah i didn't love something great And I also didn't really like, there was a movie that we started that has gotten really high critical acclaim that I didn't really like very much. It's called The Meyerowitz Stories. It was an Adam Sandler movie. It wasn't great. I just didn't, I didn't care for it personally. I think that it's a, this is a good time to sort of jump into like the good and the bad of Netflix original movies. And I guess that the thing that I want to say is the good is pretty good. And I think one of the things that I've read a lot about is that the fact that Netflix is willing to produce a number of different kinds of movies starring a number of different kind of people. And I mean that by, you know, like different, the movies that they produce are really diverse. They have diverse leads. They have diverse people behind the scenes. That is really positive. And I think that's a really cool thing that they're able to do. There are a lot of people, you know, a lot of these movies star people of color, which is great. A lot of these movies are written and directed by people of color, also really great. And I think that that's, you know, something that's important and is missing from the theatrical experience when you go to the movies. The, the, the number of movies directed by women is small when you see it in the theaters. The number of movies starring someone who is Asian American or Hispanic American is small when you go to the movie theaters. So to have platforms that are willing to produce content starring these people and and written and produced and directed by these people is really great. And I think that's probably the biggest positive of Netflix having so many different different movies. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Even just looking at those limited number of movies that I've seen, the casts have been very diverse. I think that makes for better storytelling because you're getting more of a variety of opinions. And I think that's really cool. So I think that's a great point to make. And I do think that 
because perhaps maybe their production costs are a little bit lower, they're able to do more films and give more people opportunities. So yeah, I think that's a total positive. For me, I think the negatives really just come from the amount of, I was going to say like super saturation. There's just too much content to possibly watch. Well, do you think that the problem not only is that there's too much to watch, but that because they're just pretty much throwing money at a lot of different things, that they're basically throwing something on the wall and hoping one or two things stick when it comes to the Oscars and one or two things stick when it comes to getting people to subscribe to their service. And that the rest, if a hundred other things fail, they're like, well, whatever, we'll just throw it in the can. I feel like that's the biggest problem. I don't know if that's a bad thing, though. I mean, is that is that a worse strategy than someone who's like, this is the one film I'm going to make. I'm going to pour my entire life savings and all of my energy and all of everything into this for several years. And then if it gets picked up by the Oscars, great. But if it doesn't, you put all your eggs in one basket. I don't know if this is just my perception or what, but it feels like the amount of content that Netflix produces, they should have more things that are better produced, better acted, better written, because I think a lot of the things that we've seen has just been okay. And they do feel a little bit like they just sort of threw something together to get it out. Is that just my perception, or do you think that there's any truth in that? I don't think they're just throwing things together, but I do think that the standards are a little bit lower for these films than they are for, you know, the things that we see in the movie theater. I don't know, though, that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that Netflix is a subscription service. So at the end of the day, they need to get subscribers. And so maybe the more content they have that's diverse and varied. I mean, I'm only talking about romantic comedies because that's what I like to watch. There's all kinds of scary shows on there and all kinds of, you know, tons of different content. Maybe the, maybe the reason they have so much content is because they're trying to fill up several different, you know, swim lanes for different target audiences. If their main goal is to get subscribers, then... I mean, maybe they have to release a new movie every week because otherwise why would people sign up for it? I don't know. I mean, I think part of it comes down to the marketing. But it's it's a question of like if the quality overall is lower, how long will those people stick around? Well, I think that's 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 a good point. And I think that that is the risk they run when they're not able to renew their contract to air something like The Office. Because you're right, they don't have shows right now that people want to go back and watch and watch again. They don't have movies that seem like they're going to live on for years and years and years as classics that people will subscribe to Netflix just so they have access to those movies. Yeah, it's almost like they've created their own vicious cycle where they have to release something new every single day or every single week because it's so easily digestible. It's like sugar. You just digest it really quickly. You burn it really quickly. So it's not something that is going to sustain viewers or it's going to it's not going to be something that people want to go back and just keep reliving. Maybe what they need to focus on is this type of series like that that would do something like that. But uh, those are, I mean, think of all the content that's been on in the past 10, 20 years. And, like, we really have The Office, Friends, How I Met Your Mother, Big Bang Theory in that category. I mean, I'm sure that there's others. But from, like, a top-of-mind mass media popularity standpoint. And I think part of the problem is that this might just be kind of the age we are, but we didn't grow up with streaming services. We grew up with traditional cable and we grew up with traditional seeing things in movie theaters. And so maybe it will take a little bit of time for us to sort of realize that this is the new normal and that it's okay to watch a really good feature length film on your TV at home. 
even though you're used to having seen something like that in a movie theater. And I think that as we get more quote unquote prestige films that end up on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu, that our perception might start to change from that. So I think what we've sort of settled on here is that Netflix has a lot of choices. There are a lot of movies that you can choose to watch. There are some that are worth your time probably, but there's probably too much to sort through. I guess what it comes down to is, do you really want to take the time to figure out something that is worth your time or not? And I think the good thing about it is, is that you can watch 10 minutes of a movie and decide pretty quickly whether or not you want to watch it. And if you're already subscribed to the service, then it doesn't really matter if you decide to turn it off. And we've done that a couple of times. So anything else on Netflix original movies? I'm going to keep watching them. So I'll keep letting you know in our teasers each week if I find any that are good. And if you have any out there that you've really enjoyed that you think we would like to, please let us know. I know we didn't touch on some of the bigger ones that have become memeable in the past year, including Bird Box, which neither of us have seen. And there's another one that was recently released that I'm interested in seeing called Triple Frontier, which is a Ben Affleck sort of action movie. You know, we didn't even get into the the whole thing about, you know, like Adam Sandler has a six movie contract with with Netflix and we I actually was wondering why he was in so many movies. Yeah, we watched one of them this past weekend which is called Murder Mystery. It was Netflix's most watched movie in the first weekend. I think they said something like 30 million accounts watched it in its first weekend. It's not that good. They did a lot of advertising though. I even saw a commercial on network TV. Now that's just trippy. That that like a streaming service feels I was like watching they need the Bachelorette. to advertise. Yeah. I mean, more power to them. I mean, they want to get their movie out there, but Anyway, I mean, the movie's fine, but I'm, I'm not sure people are are flocking to Netflix to see Adam Sandler. Maybe they are. Maybe they're huge Adam Sandler fans, but I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how they continue, if they can keep up this pace and continue to produce movies at this sort of lightning speed. Okay, let's move on to our teasers. My teaser this week is a YouTube series called Borders. This is produced by Vox, which is a journalistic entity. I think they're only online. They have a they have a website, but they also have a pretty robust YouTube channel where they produce content. This series in particular is produced, written, directed, and shot by a guy named Johnny Harris, who is actually also a DC local. The series follows him as he goes to different borders throughout the world. His newest season just dropped recently, and he's exploring the borders in India and the ones between India and Pakistan, and how they were sort of arbitrarily drawn. The first episode is up now. It's about 17 minutes long. It's absolutely fascinating. He does a really nice job of telling the story of how the border was created and sort of the problems that it's caused since it was created sort of arbitrarily by a British lawyer when India was split up. It's certainly worth checking out if you're interested at all in a little bit of history, and it's really, really well produced, so I encourage you to check it out. Maureen, what is your teaser? My teaser is Netflix original content. So I watched season one, episode one of the series Rotten on Netflix. And this episode was called Lawyers, Guns, and Honey. And it was really interesting. It's kind of like documentary style about different industries in the food industry overall. And this one was about honey and beekeeping. And basically like as the U.S. is no surprise the largest consumer of honey 
And as we keep getting more and more desire for honey, the bee populations are actually dying and dwindling. So how is it that there's so much supply when the bee populations are leaving? So it's all about like hidden additives and thefts and shady tactics. And it was just really interesting and well done. And there's a whole bunch of different episodes in there that I have yet to explore, but check it out. All right, that will do it for this week. Maureen, thanks for another great episode. We'll be back in two weeks on July 15th for our first Monday episode. We are gonna talk all about Spider-Man far from home so get out there in theaters and see that movie because we're going to do a deep dive spoilerific review of that movie on july 15th we will talk to you then have a great fourth of july everyone you can leave us feedback comments or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash poppedcast we would love to hear from you you can also reach us by emailing the poppedcast at vernacularpodcast.com Please also subscribe, rate, and review our show on your podcast app of choice so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Honey, we cannot stop. I have a small announcement. Oh, small announcement. We received a lot of inquiries about our ants. And the ants situation. Okay. So if you've made it this long, you get an update on the Goldman's ants. So we had this like little parade of ants coming in from under our front door up in a little row into our garbage can. We've had the garbage can next to the front door for several years, as we mentioned. Anyway, you'll all be pleased to know that the ant situation is mostly under control. We put some ant traps outside and we did a deep clean on the garbage can and got them all out of there. So it's mostly, I haven't really seen any recently. Maureen, thank you for that very important ant update. The I, ants people were texting us about no this. Our listeners want to know. The <laughs> listeners demanded. The, the listeners demanded and the ants are gone. Mostly. Knock on wood. I hope they don't come back. I know. If we report next week that they're back, this was just bad karma talking about it again. But thank you to our listeners for inquiring.